Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I remember talking to my, my younger sister, Rachel and mm. um, she was saying one of the things she struggled with is when you know you're having a conversation like this and somebody says so tell me about your family how many brothers and sisters do you have mm. and I went oh that's a tough one and Rachel was saying I-, I just say now I have a brother she said it's too hard to say do you know I have a brother and a sister mm. and uh, even for myself like for, for for a long time I'd say I have two sisters, mm-hmm. but then, yeah, then it just gets hard. So what do, you, what do your sisters do? Where are they? Are they married? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually generally steer clear of it now. I won't sugarcoat it. This episode may be tough to get through. So I, I'm Dave, Dave O'Keefe, and my sister, Julie, um, my younger sister, um, died at, in children's. I'm Deirdre O'Keefe, I'm Dave's wife, and Julie was my sister-in-law. Yes, and she perished in Childers on the 23rd of June, 2000. So, mm. so I was going to say, although we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the we time. We were a very new boyfriend and girlfriend, girlfriend at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's raw and heartfelt. We had a few laughs, we shed plenty of tears, but mostly over a few hours one afternoon, engaged in a beautiful reflection on a life that was taken yeah. way I, too soon. I remember she was so sensible and diligent. Mm. She was in one place you'd think you, you'd be safe, you know, asleep in bed, not carousing across the road in the, in the pub or doing something else. She was somewhere where you, you should be safe. And it just, it just wasn't. My mum said to me once, it, it should have been you. And I, I, I remember being taken aback by it. But, but it, wasn't, it wasn't in a bad way. It was more just because Dave was the daredevil. He was the one on the motorcycle. He was the one that got the tattoo. Like, he was the one that was just out there. And poor Judy was the sensible girl. She stayed yeah. at home, helped them move. She organised everything for mum and dad. And, yeah, like, on paper... It wasn't really... I, I was the high... Yeah, I yeah, was... You were the high-risk. I, I was the high-risk <laughs> yeah. one. We didn't want you to go. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I suppose that was another thing, just the unfairness of her being chosen and not, say, somebody like like me. And that, that, that did play on my mind a lot. Tell me about Julie. Who was she? Ah... I have to say, as, as brother and sister, we fought like <laughs> cat and dog. Oh, God. We were, oh, oh, yeah. We, 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 because we were so close in age and there was always sort of competition between us. Um, I was always 
just ahead, but she was always snapping at my snapping at my heels. Um, that driving lessons first to get their driver's license, which she did. She she got there before me. Um, yeah, it just just a lot of competition. But I have to say, once we left home, like it, it, we we started getting on a lot a lot better because we were sort of found our own paths, our own lives, and uh, yeah, we were starting to have a much more <laughs> cordial relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you've just reminded me of something else. This is before we came out. I went home to uh, tell him I was going to come out to Australia. And I remember Julie was there. Mm. And um, I said, Mom, Dad, I've got something to say. And she said, oh, okay, what's that? I'm going to go to Australia for a year. And they were really super surprised. Yeah. And Julie says, I've just told them that. That I'm going <laughs> so back to the competition, and my mum's going. What? You're both going? What is going on with you people? So she she'd managed to get in there before me and tell my folks, tell yes. my folks that she was going to Australia, That's and right. then I come along and I think yeah. I have the most amazing news, like groundbreaking. And I wasn't surprised; they were just confused. <laughs> going, what's wrong with you people? Mm. Anyway, oh, that's great. Nonetheless, Dave and Dee arrive in Australia first. They get to Sydney in November 1999. Julie follows just after New Year. It's a bit of a financial struggle, but things are going as well as they can be. And for the first time in his life, Dave feels like there's money in the bank. He decides to pay for flights for his parents to fly out from Limerick in Ireland. I just wanted to to repay my folks and do something nice for them. So yes, we brought them out for the month. Yes. But Julie had already been here, so she was working like as um, temping, so she was doing reception and secretarial, like admin kind of work. Yeah, no, she wasn't. That's how she met Claire, because I think Claire, I'm not sure if they were living in Coogee, whether they met that way or whether she met one of them at work and then they all realised they were in the same area and then they, because they got the apartment together. Claire is Claire Webb. She was 24 from just outside of London. She met Julie and fellow Brit Melissa Smith in Sydney. In March 2000, they met the O'Keefe family for dinner at the Coogee Bay Hotel. They came in yeah, later and joined a, us. Yeah, they were so, yeah, they were just happy. Yeah, yeah no, the three girls, they were so excited to go away. Yeah, they were looking forward to getting out of Sydney and just going and exploring. Because like, they were all young, 20s, they just wanted to have fun. It's like we were there boring of buddy daddies that were like a year you, you, older than them. Yeah, like, you, 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 <laughs> I was you, actually younger than Julie, so. Yeah, you, you and me, and because yeah. I remember my folks, like the, my mom and dad were like, were really interested in, was re- really drawn to their excitement and, mm. you know, the sort of vibrancy. Yes, that, yeah, and, they were yeah, so excited. They were so excited about going, and it sounded like such an adventure. Yeah, and it both, did. And both my folks were quite a Ventures when they were younger mm. because they went off to Russia back in the early 70s when it wasn't really something you did. Yeah. Um, yeah they, they did quite a bit of travelling around themselves. So they, I think they were just drawn to what, what the girls were up to. Mm. And, and as a group, as the three of them, they just, how were they as a group, those three girls? Really happy. It was like as if they'd known each other forever. Like they didn't, <laughs> but they did. Like they were yeah. like three sisters and just, yeah, there was a lot of good. Good-natured banter going on I, between I think them. She sort of, do you know that that phrase? I, I found my tribe. Yeah. I, I think I think Juliet found hers. Yeah. Any recollections of when she said, "Hey, I'm going to go up to up to Queensland"? Any, any recollections of that? They were talking about Sydney was expensive, 
I remember them saying Sydney was expensive and they wanted to tour. So their idea was the best way, the cheapest way to tour was to do it on the bus, get that hop on, hop off thing. So I remember that's what they decided to do. And it was the debate whether to go north or south. So there was no like, I want to go to Queensland. I was like, well, which is the easiest? And because it was coming into winter, that's right. That's why they went north. The weather was the deciding factor. Even for the English and Irish, a winter in Queensland is far more palatable than the cold of Victoria. So the next day, they boarded a bus and headed for the Sunshine State. It was the postcard that we received on 15th of June that was sent, and that describes her um, being in Brisbane, not really much happening here, we're going to head north, and she actually says she's going to head to Childers. Does, oh, does she say it on the yeah, card? Yeah, says it on the card. Ah, okay. Is it, oh, that's, that just shows her level of organisation. Um, they knew where the, they were going to stop. Yeah, the amount of trips that I went on where I couldn't even tell you where, where we were going to stop. So they'd been there about a week. Julie was working on a tomato farm with Kate Morris, who we heard from in episode three. Now, as you've also heard, the fire happens just after midnight on what is Thursday night, early Friday morning. Dave and Dee are 1,200 kilometres away in Sydney. They don't own a television and they haven't tuned into any news broadcasts. Friday goes by and they head out for the night. I was doing ballroom dancing, so we had a show. So we were actually in a hotel in Sydney and we were at a, a big function. And the one mobile phone we had between the two of us was up in the room. So when the function was over and we came back upstairs, Dave looked at the phone and there was 17 missed calls. And the first thing you think of is like, something's, crap, and, something's happened And we're all international. They're yeah, all, they're international. all international calls. And we thought, oh, shh, yeah, something, yeah, something major has happened. So we just, we left, we didn't even stay. We yeah. left the hotel, we checked out and said, okay, we need to get home. Yeah, and we, and we phoned and, and I spoke to, and it was, it was one of my cousins um, that had been phoning. So I called him back and, his, and he said, look, I, I, you, you need to you talk need to, to your mother. You need to call home, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I, yeah. so I, I phoned my mum and she was, she was beside herself. And at that time, there was so little information, like how many hostels are there in Childers? Yeah. Is she actually there? because we knew she was going to move on. Had she yeah. left that day or was she going to leave tomorrow? Like, there was just no information, no easy way to find out. So that's how I found out. And as a person, like as a, the sort of human nature is, so, you know, she'll, she'll be one of the survivors. Yes, yeah. She wasn't even there, she, you know. The, the odds are she's, the, she's, she's okay. One of the reasons why we were, like, her mum was contacted was because her passport was found, but they couldn't locate her. And, yeah, that's that's how we were kind of one of the bunches that were contacted. But then it was like, yeah, now a day I, later. And uh, yeah, we're as, not, as, time, as time went, like, yeah, very quickly, as, as time went on, you just realise mm. that the, the, the chances of her popping up somewhere are was getting just more remote. More and more remote. Early on, there was... Sort of the, these are the people who lost their lives, but the other side of the equation is you guys. Sort of, we were still we were back. still holding out hope. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And this is the thing, right? Because we were down in Sydney, we were so remote from it. Mm. You're sort of disconnected from it. Yeah. You you telling the stories about um, the the fire truck and some of the survivor stories about the intensity of that fire, mm. like those people who go 
No, absolutely. There, there was nobody else coming out. Yeah. Down here in in Sydney, you just you, maybe yeah, there's hope. You, you, maybe there's hope. Maybe we missed something. Maybe something happened. Just that remoteness. You, yeah. You, you, the, the impact. Like even you've been there, so close to to when it happened. You, you could see, and you look at the the the. the remains of the hostel and you go, yeah, that's, nobody's, nobody's going to stay in there and survive. Yeah. But then like early on, like in the piece as well, the Irish papers were reporting that Julie was part of it as well. So within a couple of days of the story obviously being released, it was all over Ireland as well. So there was, it was kind of that thing where I think Eileen wanted to get out of it, just it was everywhere. So it was kind of nice, and they did say that when they stayed with us for the month in Sydney, that it was just nice to kind of be somewhere where they didn't know anyone. There's no one knocking on the door, kind of saying, how are you? Maybe they would have liked that, I don't know, but it was just, your mum just didn't want anyone around. So it kind of worked to be, like the fact that we were just that one step removed from from it at the time. Yeah, nobody yeah, nobody wants to see the, the papers confirm, like, it, no, basically no, saying no. your 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 daughter's dead. Yeah. Yeah, she she didn't yeah. That's the last thing she wanted to hear. Like denial. I don't think you want to believe it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. just at what yeah. point do you guys sort of and your family go, Okay, we know. Mm-hmm. That's a re you, you can apply a, a rational mind to it and say well, after 24 or 48 hours, you know. But when you mix in a whole load of emotion, it doesn't matter how small, how absurd, mm. how remote the possibility is that they... But it was that thing of kind of keeping survived. the family together as well. Yeah. My mind sort of switched to, so what, what could you have done? Mm. Do you know, that night, last night, could you... Could we have stopped her? Yeah, made a suggestion, go somewhere else. Yeah, go south. It's not that cold in Australia. Yeah, go, go, go south. <laughs> Even just oh, go to Bundaberg or Gladstone, like, yeah. anywhere, stay an extra day or two in, in Brisbane. Like, yeah, you just start looking for ways you you could have just... Prevented it. Prevented it, just change... Just make, or make a slightly different decision. Leave a day earlier, you know what I mean? Uh, mm. Yeah, that was the bit that... That that was sort of the toughest part. Hard to do. It was over a month later because there's a letter there. It's the middle of July before we actually got confirmed. But you kind of, like Dave was saying, the longer it goes on that you can't, that she's not making contact with home, they think, okay, we're assuming that that she's... And initially I thought, okay, I need to go up there. But Mm. I, I I can't because there's... There's nothing for me to do because but they, they did tell us not to yeah, because they, they hadn't confirmed. Because there's, it's not like I can confirm anything or mm. do anything. Um, it was just messed up, charred belongings. You, you weren't going to go in there and say, "Yeah, I, I, I can identify that rucksack. I can identify those possessions." And also, um, the first thing we started doing is just organising for my folks and my sister to come over. So we needed. To, so we ended up staying. Oh, we stayed in Sydney, stayed and then we got Sydney. them to come and, and stay with yeah, us. Yeah, so Sydney. they came out a few yeah. days later. And even my mum just was holding out hope till the very, yeah. very end. Mm-hmm. I have to say, she did. It, it, I think that the the absolute finality was when we went to the funeral director, and they handed out just a a 
box, like a couple of square inches and say, yeah, there you go, there's your daughter. It's tough, man. Yeah. It, like I say, the, 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 the ability for you to just hang on to any kind of hope that something was missed. They're, they're wandering around in the bush with concussion, like as absurd as it sounds, you say maybe something like that happened. But like I say, when, 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 when we received the remains, you just go, okay, that's it. Given that it's a month before his confirmation, is that a, what is that emotion? Is it frustration? Is it, I know there's hope, you've talked about the hope. Is there frustration <laughs> well, as well that it's taking so long? The frustration was because we were dealing then with the federal police and they needed DNA confirmation. So oh, that was really hard to speak to your mum to get that because she didn't believe that she was gone. So yeah. that was, that was tough. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember the technician taking taking the swabs from my dad. Yeah. And so things like that kind of confirmed it for us. Just the expression on his face. Taking that sample, taking that sample just to match it to your daughter. Yeah, like he looks so small. Oh, it's like as if his life was taken as well. Yeah, so broken, defeated, defeated. Is that one of the toughest things, seeing you, what your mum and dad were going through? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think having kids my own now, it's only deepened that understanding that, like, give birth to her, raise her from, like, like a baby to... to like as you saw from the card, like just just coming up on her twenty fifth birthday, um, and she'd stayed like she'd stayed at home with him. She'd been such a big support to him. My, like, myself and my younger sister we buggered off doing other things, like living in different parts of the country. But um, Julie was the home bird. She was she was their rock and support. But still, for all that effort as a parent, all that investment of love and hope and they're, they're an extension of you into the future, yeah. They're, they're yeah, they, they, they were, well, you hope they reflect your, your morals, your standards, the type of person you are. And just to see it just come to just an end so, so abruptly. My dad just looked so defeated, I have to say. It was tough. Yeah, it's tough to say. Right, take a moment. No, no, keep going. As we've heard, it's more than a month before official confirmation of the worst news a parent or sibling could ever receive. The O'Keefe family head to Childers to see the palace for themselves. So we all flew up to Brisbane um, once it was confirmed and we got the tour. We were offered the tour of the hostel, so we didn't have to go. But we did. We did. Your mum and dad didn't go. Yeah, your mum just said point blank, no way, I can't do it. So we did it. Mm-hmm. And it was very confronting. It wasn't, it wasn't a nice thing to have to do. But afterwards, you think, I'm glad I did that. Like, it was something that you think, okay, I'm kind of at peace with it now. I'm not going to be imagining what it was like. I have a physical view of it, I guess, to see the comfort and how people that didn't know our families were so upset by it, mm-hmm. kind of 
made you feel like, oh, like it's not just me. Like you actually feel it too. So it was a very much a community, like very warm. There was a very warm reception for everyone. We were all kind of welcomed into the community. And this is, we're so sorry that this happened in our town. Like it was very, it was a really nice. There was pictures on the wall that were virtually untouched, like posters and stuff stuck to the wall. But but it was just an indicator of how intense the heat was going straight, like straight up. Everything above, was it about head height? Was yes, just black. It was just black. Yeah. But, but below, but, but below a below certain us, amount, yeah. you could paint on the walls. So it just showed that the heat just went, just went straight, straight up. up. And, the, and the, 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 the intensity of the fire was just on the, on the upper floor. Um, yeah, and like I say, it's, just, it's like a water line all the way around the ground floor. Julie, Claire, and Melissa all died in room seven where all 10 guests lost their lives. There was numbers, that was how many people were found. Oh, okay, I, sorry, that's, that, that. It was blue, like a light powder blue color. But it was just, I remember it being underneath the windows, because it's underneath Julie's. Oh, wow. That's where the tomato plant was though, and was sprouting a little tomato. Tell me about the tomato plant. <laughs> it's just when we went in, and just over in the corner where there was still a little bit of floor, where Julie was found, there was a tomato plant growing and they were just saying like that was, I guess most of them in that room were on the tomato um, plantation or whatever you call it. And they were just saying like, it's just so, to see new life in such a devastating situation, just like shy of a month later was just, it was, yeah. Um, The bars on the windows, Stir up emotions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was looking at them, and no human being would be able to get through. I, I just remember them being thick and re, just really, really solid. And uh, standing, standing on the, I think on the service road part, you're going, okay, there's a fire. What could you even? What could you even do? What could you do? Run a chain from a car to. There's nothing. I have to say, I I don't know what the bars were were there for. Yeah, like a small town, you like like jail bars. I I just remember looking at them, thinking, there's no way anybody without equipment could have done anything to 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 get those bars off. And did that amplify your initial anger? Yeah, yeah. T- Yes, I made made me think. What was the purpose of them? But I don't know. What chance did they have? What what chance did they have? But why were they there in the first place? Like what what purpose? So I'm just curious. What purpose did they serve? Yeah. What was? Did did they need to be so thick? Did they need to be so like impenetrable? I yeah yeah. I, m- I remember just standing there looking at the bars, on the fireies the the survivors, any any passers-by, there's, yeah, there's nothing they could have done, which would have been awful. How did you guys as a family say goodbye? Julie? 
like I was saying earlier, when 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 you received um, her ashes, my mum was going, oh, what are we going to do with her? We can't, like, didn't she need to go to a church or or, or somewhere? Like, what, what else are we going to do with her? And I was saying, we will take her back. We'll, we took her back to the hotel room and um, I think it was just put her on top of the TV. And I have to say, initially my mum was, bit upset about it but then she took great comfort from it because she was with us again so after being separated for whatever it was the month month and a half she was fine like she was finally back with us and pretty much until no yeah until she got buried she she stayed with my mom so we flew with her back down from 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 Brisbane she stayed with us in in the house here in Sydney and even when she went back to Ireland, she spent a couple of days at home with my mum before she was finally buried. My mum took great comfort from it to the point where when when my dad passed away in 2005, uh, he was cremated and my mum brought him back and kept him at home for, for a little while before um, he got buried. So... I think I, if, if people get the opportunity, I think they should bring their loved ones home. How did you both go processing that? And how did your parents go with that news? That was deliberately there. I, I think I, to start with, I was like really angry um, and, you know, looking for retribution, looking looking for revenge but I have to say it was it's something that didn't stay with me for very long yeah that sort of that sort of passed because I sort of felt none of that was going to undo what was done nothing was going to did I want to make this guy suffer or did I want my sister back I want my sister back is there anything I can do to this guy to bring her back there, there, there isn't not yeah. let him defeat you as well. Yeah, I, I think on the other hand, though, um, my mum was like very, very, very angry, and, and she still is. She's still very, very angry, and every so often it just bubbles to the surface again, and um, it's as raw as it was twenty years ago. She's got every right to be angry. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my, my father, on the, on the other hand, I, I just felt he was never. Um, he was a quiet man. That's a better way to describe me. He was he, he was a quiet man, uh, and it was sort of hard to tell what was going going on under underneath the surface. But like I say, my mum was angry. He was more broken and defeated. All of us processed it and dealt with it in slightly different ways. So no, no, none of us. We're, we're the same. What is it about the fire that you, your family really struggled with? I guess for me, like what her last thoughts were in those, like when you explained about that girl just saying, like, this is it. Is that what she thought? I don't yeah. know. That's what I kind of, I couldn't imagine what she's thinking or what's gone through her head or, yeah, I think that's scary. 
My heart certainly goes out to the O'Keefe family for the pain and suffering they've endured over the past 20 years. There was another moment a couple of years later. It was October 2002, a fortnight before the opening of the Childers Memorial to the victims of the fire, and it involved Dave's youngest sister, Rachel, who had also headed to Australia. I remember my mum going, three of you going to, what is it with that country? Right? So she, she was not happy, did some travelling, but she decided to come back, uh, head home via Bali, and she happened to be next to Kuta Beach on that evening. The night bombs were detonated at Paddy's Bar and the Sari Club in Bali, killing more than 200 people. It's only in the last couple of years I can start using a mobile again that I don't mind carrying one around. Another thing of like 10 missed calls from overseas, I go, what, what could it be? And so I phone home and it's my mum and she's saying, Rachel's in, in Bali and there's been a bombing. Anyway, she was near, near Kuta Beach and my mum's gone, I, I can't lose another one. Yeah. And I remember just getting on the internet, starting to look for flights to Bali. Yeah. I was going, okay, how am I going to do this? So here's an interesting sort of parallel. So they'd been out doing stuff all day. They'd planned to go out that evening, go down to, go down to Kuta Beach. that area, yeah. She was too tired. And they stayed. They stayed, they went, they went to their hostel Mm. and they stayed there. Mm. Exact same thing Julie did. When, when they got back from their day of touring or whatever they were doing, they decided, not nah, too much, we're going to go, go to sleep. It was 24 hours before Rachel was able to phone home. Now, that might seem like an exorbitant length of time, but given the context and everything the O'Keefe family had endured previously, you can just imagine the emotional toll that that was taking. The phone lines were so inundated they couldn't get us. They couldn't even call home because she said she'd been trying oh, had she all been trying, day. But she said it took a while to realise the seriousness yeah. of it. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. But could, so could when she realised. But when yeah. she realised, she phoned home. And, and I remember asking her, so what about the explo- explosions, the, you know? And she said, and I thought, I just, I, I heard them vaguely because they were in the distance. I thought they were fireworks. And, and that was part of the reason it took her a while to contact us. But it's just funny, Julie spent the day working, was tired, went to bed early and didn't wake up. Uh, Rachel, on the other hand, day out, went to bed early and, yeah, because she didn't follow through with her plans to go out, she was safe. safe. Mm. Your poor mum, though. The time, the time of not knowing, I feel so sorry for your mum hearing that story. Oh, yeah. And she, she kept saying to me, I, I can't. Can't do this again. Yeah, I can't lose another one. The past 20 years haven't been easy. The Childers fire and David's father suffered a long and painful battle with bowel cancer that eventually claimed his life. I, I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to bring my parents out and have them, you know, sit down by the sea and see Julie so happy. And with new friends, yes, like yeah. new 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 friends. She just finished. Um, she just finished uni, and this was sort of like her her last hurrah before she went and looked for a proper job and started being being sensible again. And the opportunity for my folks to see her so happy, and you know, blue skies, blue sea, 
golden sand. Like it, it was, it was great. It, it couldn't have worked out any better. I don't think. And she was so happy. And and and, and that's something that my mom came back to most, like many many times. Yeah, she says it a lot, doesn't she? She was. Yeah. She was at her happiest. Yes. Yeah. That's not. Nice. Oh, it's it. It is. It is. I'm so happy it turned out that way. Um, we left on good terms, kind words, hugs all round. So it, it, it yeah. was. It was great. And great memories. David and Dee stayed in Australia, and raising a family, two kids, Adam, and Ashlyn. That's Ashlyn, Julie, O'Keefe. Since your kids would have loved Adam, Julie. Yeah, she would have loved them too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a fun-loving. And Ashling, actually, her baby photos, she's this spitting image of Julie. Like, it's like having a little second Julie in the house. Thank you once again to Dave and Dee O'Keefe for being so giving of their time and their stories about Julie and, of course, her dear friends Claire Webb and Melissa Smith. May their memory never be forgotten. And please, if you're near Childers in sunny Queensland... Pop into the memorial to pay your respects to the victims of the Palace Hostel fire in June 2000. It's run by the Bundaberg Regional Council. My thanks to them for their support of this podcast. It's written and produced by me, Paul Cochran. Make sure you hit subscribe and tell your friends and family to tune in. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.